0: Has the department conducted any kind of post-election for insects on the voting machines that were used in 2016? No. No, they haven't. I don't know why I came here tonight. They still haven't. I
1: got the
0: something right. oh, No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case i fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs me jokers to the right here
1: i am stuck in the middle with you here i am yes i'm stuck in the middle.
0: From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast As heard on KPFK, 90.7 FM in L.A., 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 in Ridgecrest and China Lake. Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania, on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio, on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids, on WPRR. In New Orleans, on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. In Fayetteville, Arkansas, on KPSQ. In Seattle, on KODX. In Janesville, Wisconsin, on WADR. And in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF, we also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day for your listening convenience on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk Blanketing, Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. we got a lot of news to get to, so let me start here. Democratic presidential candidate Steve Bullock, the two-term governor of Montana, has dropped out of the presidential race as of Monday. By the way, did you even know he had dropped in? That after falling short of qualification requirements for multiple debates and failing to collect notable support in polling. He was the second candidate, yes, the second, to drop out in the past two days. Joe Sestak, a former U.S. representative from Pennsylvania, ended his campaign on Sunday... So even if you did know that Bullock was in, I bet almost every single one of you did not know that Sestak was also running. Desi Doyen, did you know that Joe Sestak was also running?
1: Um, Sure I did. Yes, of course liar.
0: I did. Liar. <laughs> Such a liar. Uh, so Sestak's out, Bullock's out. Bullock uh, touted himself as the only candidate to have won in 2016, and this is true, in his reelection effort for governor, in a state where Donald Trump also claimed victory. That is true. In 2016, Trump won Montana by more than 20 points, and on that very same statewide ballot, Bullock won his re-election as governor by nearly five points. That is no small feat. And while uh, more conservative than a fair amount of the Democratic 2020 field, he was a bulldog on campaign finance reform and, and dark money in our elections. He fought like hell as governor of Montana and attorney general before that for Montana's strict campaign finance laws and bars on corporate donations. Uh, After the disastrous Citizens United ruling back in 2010, he also fought like hell to successfully expand Medicare under the Affordable Care Act to tens of thousands of Montanans again, in a very red state, but alas, it was not to be. The uh, more conservative Democratic lane seems to have been largely overtaken by folks like Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar, who keeps talking about backup paper ballots and makes my head explode. Uh, and, uh, And Pete Buttigieg, the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, he also tried to claim the mantle as a more moderate figure from a red state. So Bullock The most maddening part here to me, perhaps the only maddening part to me, is that he will not run, according to his uh, campaign communication director, he will not run for Montana's U.S. Senate, which is up for grabs in 2020, which is a shame. And a great disappointment because he's a very popular Democrat in an otherwise very red state. He would have a very good chance of defeating Republican Senator Steve Daines, who is up for re-election in 2020, when winning back the U.S. Senate for Democrats has never been more important. So... I, you know, I kind of like Bullock. I, I think his uh, interest in only being president, however, is an embarrassing disease that has been caught by too many Democrats in the Trump era.
1: Yes, it's very strange to me as well. I mean, considering that, you know, first of all, he proclaims his ability to win in a state that went for Trump. That is true. That actually happened. But, you know, also all the things that he says that he cares about from, you know, money in politics mm-hmm. to trade war, yep. rural economic development, broadband in rural areas, climate climate change, all of that stuff, none of that will ever be addressed as long as Republicans retain control of the Senate, at least not addressed in in any meaningful fashion. It
0: is absolutely maddening. And he's not the only one, uh, you know, who I might admire as a person. But when it comes to um, Stacey Abrams, why is she not running for U.S. Senate in Georgia? Uh, what's the other guy who's already dropped out down in Texas? Uh, Beto O'Rourke Well, Why Beto is he O'Rourke not dr- yeah. has a
1: different issue Because what's there's already issue? a couple of uh, of declared candidates There's yeah. Christina Ramirez, who is uh, making gains in Texas okay. As, uh, you know, in the primary for the, uh, the Texas Senate race So it could be that because she's already established He's not going to bigfoot her in the middle of that But I don't know that about Steve Bullock I think he's got every right and reason And actually should... Basically, do what's right by his country, because if any of these things are going to be addressed, like climate change, like I said, that's that's kind of your duty towards your country. He's got
0: he's got just one more year in his term in his second term as governor. Now would be the perfect time to run for the U.S. Senate up in Montana. In any event, he said, I entered this race as a, a voice to win back the places we lost, bridge divides and rid our system of the corrupting influence of dark money. That uh, from Steve Bullock in his statement announcing his departure from the race, all of which he could do as a member of the U.S. Senate. Uh, In any event, in a bit more uh, late-breaking sort of 2020-related news on the Republican side today, embattled and indicted congressman from California, Republican Congressman Duncan Hunter, announced on Monday that he will change his plea to guilty. In his campaign finance fraud case on Tuesday, Hunter represents California's 50th district that covers much of northern and inland San Diego County. Uh, Hunter told the uh, local news channel uh, KUSI that he will plead guilty to one count of misuse of campaign funds because he did not want to go through with the uh, criminal trial that is scheduled for January of next year. So just a month away, he said, it's important to not have a public trial for three reasons. And those three reasons are my kids. I think it'd be really tough for them. Yeah, it would be hard for them, Duncan. By the way, uh, whatever happened to those ISIS members that you knew for a fact that you were told by Customs and Borders officials had been detained, sneaking over the border from Mexico? You promised evidence on that, but it never came. Huh. Uh, and anyway, uh, as to the indictment, uh, the congressman admitted he, quote, did make mistakes. Well, Hunter and his wife, Margaret, were both co-indicted last year in August uh, for misusing some $250,000 in campaign donations. They used them for personal expenses, lavish personal expenses. His uh, His wife pleaded guilty in the case in June after Duncan threw her under the bus blaming her for what happened. Among the things they were accused of uh, of doing was passing off some of their lavish expenses, like purchases of golf, golf clothes at expensive country clubs, as charitable contribu- contributions to veterans. Because he's one hell of a guy, always looking out for the troops. It is unclear if uh, Hunter plans to resign, however, from his seat in the U.S. House or if he will run yet again as he did last time in 2018 under indictment as republicans like uh, Chris Collins of New York uh, the the by the way the first congressman to endorse Donald Trump back in 2016 he also ran last year despite being indicted before he resigned in disgrace in 2019 and pled guilty to insider trading and lying to the FBI you know as republicans do
1: you know family values republicans
0: But we will get to uh, some much more uh, crucial concerns about the 2020 election shortly, along with your calls on that, if I have time and anything else uh, that may be on your mind after what I hope was a peaceful Thanksgiving holiday weekend for you and yours. I hate to ruin it by bringing you back to reality, but I guess that's what I do. Uh, First up, a mercifully quick update on the ongoing impeachment inquiry of Donald J. Trump, as I hope to get to a number of items that we have not been able to while we've been in sort of special impeachment coverage uh, mode here for uh, damn near every day on the broadcast over the past two or three weeks. Uh, So very quickly, the House Intelligence Committee will vote on Tuesday night, according to the latest schedule, to approve its committee report on the impeachment investigation into Donald Trump. That follows several weeks of closed door and then public, often riveting impeachment hearing testimony in that committee chaired by uh, Congressman Adam Schiff, happens to be my congressman here in Los Angeles, Uh, Politico and AP reported over the weekend that Intelligence Committee members will begin reviewing a draft of this report on Monday. And after that Intelligence Committee report is approved, likely on Tuesday night, it will then be sent to the House Judiciary Committee, which is chaired by Congressman Jerry Nadler of New York. Judiciary will then hold its own impeachment hearing on Wednesday of this week, its first in this matter. Uh, as part of its process to draw up official articles of impeachment against the president of the United States, those articles will then be debated and voted on by the House Judiciary Committee. And if approved, they will then be sent to the full floor of the House for a vote. And then if approved by a majority of the full House, that uh, those articles of impeachment will then be sent to the U.S. Senate, where a trial on the removal of the president will begin. That is the current, very general plan. How long that takes or how it changes along the way remains anybody's guess. So the general plan is thought to be that the vote on articles of impeachment in the full House will take place at some point before Christmas. Do I have that right, Des? Is that... Uh, am I remembering all of this correctly? Yes. As far as you know? Yes. Okay. The,
1: the House vote is scheduled no later than Christmas Day. But, of course, all of this could be changed Scheduled by new stuff. Yes. Yeah,
0: scheduled is an overstatement. I think it's <laughs> yeah. hoped for before Christmas. And so they hope that if there's going to be a vote on the floor of the House, it will take place on impeachment of the president before Christmas. Merry Christmas, Mr. Trump. And then, with any trial in the Senate, if that is to happen... That would come at some point after the first of the new year, as early as January. So now we're in December. Then we'll uh, be in uh, January for a trial for removal of the president of the United States in January. And then the very first votes for the 2020 presidential campaign will be cast in the Iowa caucus on Monday, February 3rd followed by the New Hampshire primary just over one week later on Tuesday, February 11. All of this madness is now going to begin running on top of each other uh, in the the weeks ahead, making it even more difficult to cover. But I'm getting ahead of myself because just over uh, two weeks later, after New Hampshire, then Nevada caucuses, and then the South Carolina primary happens, then California will be voting on Super Tuesday, just three days after South Carolina, with about a dozen other states on March 3rd. But again, I'm getting ahead of myself. Not supposed to be on elections yet. I'm still supposed to be on impeachment. But now is a great time to request, if you live in Los Angeles, to request a vote-by-mail ballot for the primary Uh, Here in L.A. County, since you will otherwise be forced, if you don't, you'll have to vote on a 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen computer at the polling place for the first time in 2020. And the only way that you will be able to vote on a handmarked paper ballot is with a vote by mail ballot that you hopefully will drop off in person after filling it out by hand instead of mailing it in, drop it off in person on Election Day. On March 3 next year, because if you mail yours in, by the way, too early, you risk your candidate having dropped out of the race entirely by the time we get to Super Tuesday. With all of those uh, four states going uh, through one week after another in February, a lot of these candidates are going to drop out. So get a vote by mail ballot, but don't mail it in. Deliver it on Election Day, March 3rd, Super Tuesday. Plus, delivering it in person maximizes the chance of your ballot actually being counted and counted accurately. But again, I'm ahead of myself. So... Uh, on Sunday night, yes, back to impeachment. On Sunday night, the White House said that they will not participate in the House Judiciary Committee's first impeachment hearing on Wednesday, but they left open the possibility that it may uh, that they may take part in uh, in in future proceedings. In a letter to the committee chair, uh, Congressman Nadler, the White House Counsel Cipollone said uh, called the hearing, which will explore the quote, historical and constitutional basis of impeachment. He called that unfair, writing that an academic discussion cannot retroactively fix an irretrievably broken process. Of course, the only thing that appears to be broken about it, Mr. Cipollone, is that the president of the United States does not like that he got caught leveraging U.S. foreign policy to strong arm Ukraine into doing him a political favor to try and improve his 2020 re-election chances. Other than that, I'm not sure what is broken about this process. This is how it works, actually. But if you are, if you're listening, if you have any idea about why this uh, impeachment process is broken, you can give me a call, get in line, 818-985-5735. That's 818-985-5735. I would love to know what's so broken about it. Uh, just before air here today, they announced the witnesses for this um, first hearing in the Judiciary Committee on Wednesday. It will be Noah Feldman. They're all four academics, uh, law law school professors and so forth, uh, constitutional experts. Noah Feldman of Harvard Law School, Pamela Carlin of Stanford Law School, Michael Gerhardt the uh, of the University of North Carolina School of Law, and Jonathan Turley of the George Washington University Law School. Those four will be testifying at, what is it, uh, 10 p.m., 10 a.m., I'm sorry, on Wednesday. Uh, 10? 10 a.m. is, is
1: it 10? Uh, 10 a.m. Uh, actually, I think it's 9 a.m. I'll have to confirm that. Of oh, Of course, I hope that it's means 10. that everybody on yeah, the West Coast has yeah. to get up early if Very they want to watch it live.
0: At dawn. Uh, the letter, in any event, to Nadler from the White House asserted that, quote, all of Trump's due process rights had been violated by the House impeachment inquiry into the president's dealings with Ukraine. Again, unclear what due process rights he is talking about, uh, but I suspect there doesn't actually need to be any such uh, due process rights uh, taken away from him for him to pretend, for this president in any event, to to pretend that that is the case, to create fake news about it. Last month, the House Intel Committee uh, chair, Adam Schiff, concluded, at least for now, uh, their own fact-finding efforts that uh, he said generated, quote, overwhelming evidence that Trump abused the power of his office. As we have been reporting for the last several weeks— Uh, Day after day, witnesses questioned by Republicans and Democrats alike in that uh, intelligence committee presented pretty crystal clear evidence of how Trump withheld nearly $400 million in military assistance that was allocated by a bipartisan vote of Congress for Ukraine in hopes of forcing the Ukrainian president to announce an investigation of Joe Biden and a debunked conspiracy theory concerning Ukrainian, not Russian, interference in the 2016 election. A theory, by the way, that as uh, Ernest Canning pointed out over the weekend uh, over at Bradblog.com, that theory actually doesn't make much sense. You can go read his short piece at Bradblog.com, but uh, the kicker here is why would the Ukrainians hack the DNC server and release embarrassing emails uh, regarding Hillary Clinton in order to help her campaign in 2016. It does not make sense on its face. Again, if you know the answer to that question, you can call and, and let me know. 818 985 KPFK. Cipollone, the uh, White House counsel, however, uh, charges in his letter that Schiff had attempted to, quote, concoct a false narrative. Unclear what that false narrative actually is. Inviting the administration now to participate in an after-the-fact constitutional law seminar with yet-to-be-named witnesses, well, they've now been named, uh, only demonstrates further the countless procedural deficiencies that have infected this inquiry from its inception. He says if Nadler is, quote, serious about a fair process, uh the president uh, may participate in future hearings. Nadler had invited Trump and his lawyers last week to attend the hearing on Wednesday and even question the witnesses themselves if they wanted, urging the president in a letter to, quote, stop complaining about the process and instead take part in it. Nadler even extended the Sunday deadline for the White House to respond. He extended it until this Thursday, but Cipollone responded on Sunday night. After all, uh, Nadler had written in his letter that I hope he chooses to participate in the inquiry, talking about the president and um, either directly or through counsel, as other presidents have done before him. Now, a few hours before air today, Nadler put out a statement in response to Cipollone's uh, Sunday letter. That statement reads, Late last night, the president and his counsel turned down our invitation to participate in Wednesday's hearing. His response is unfortunate because allowing the president to participate has been a priority for the House from the outset. That is why the House included the opportunity to participate. Uh, in H.R.E.S. 660, which was the rules for the impeachment, uh, Nadler added the American people deserve transparency. If the president thinks the call to Ukraine was, quote, perfect and there was nothing to hide, then he would turn over the thousands of pages of documents requested by Congress, allow witnesses to testify instead of blocking testimony with baseless privilege claims and provide any exculpatory information that refutes the Overwhelming evidence of his abuse of power. Nadler is absolutely right. All right, let's take a quick break here and we will come back with uh some, like I promised, some election 2020 stories that should uh, raise the hairs on the back of your neck as they raise mine. Uh, and also some of your calls if you want to ring in. 818 985 5735 Uh, well, frankly, some terrifying news about our elections next year. Yes, here in Los Angeles and in battleground states like Georgia and elsewhere, including, yes, Pennsylvania, the key swing state, along with your calls on impeachment if you want to jump in. Everything at once here on the broadcast. As usual, I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. ready. (laughs) There it is. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Pennsylvania 65,000. Are they talking about uh, election results? Are they talking about the number of votes that were lost back in uh, the November 5 election? Maybe. Uh, Get to that in a moment. But to confirm our crack staff here. That would be Desi Doyen, uh, confirms it. In fact, it is. That hearing is on Wednesday.
1: December it- 4 at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. And you can see it at various places around the net, including cspan.org.
0: And we will no doubt be covering it on that uh, Wednesday here on the broadcast with the uh, delightful and always uh, clever Heather Digby-Parton. Will she yes. be joining us yes, again? Yes, she will. With our special team coverage. <laughs> Very good. Uh, all right. Well, it only took uh, a month or so for the uh, for the New York Times to come. Uh, to cover the story that we oh is more you know what let me go to Morris hang on I'll come back to this New York Times story let me go to Morris uh who's calling him we always leave him for the end of the show but let's bring him on right now 818 you just hung
1: up on him accidentally uh,
0: no I didn't touch it oh I let didn't me do see, it him. hold on no I, I it wasn't my fault blame uh blame D'Angelo I think he did it all right he's there all right let's go to uh, Morris hey Morris welcome to the broadcast brother I'm bringing you on right in the middle of the show what hey Brad, let me share
2: something with you. Yeah. This is not an impeachment inquiry for, uh, regarding Donald Trump or the president. This is a hearing on the Republican Party, uh, an impeachment on the Republican Party. It's an impeachment inquiry on the entire Republican party. Okay? Mm-hmm. They, we, we, this guy may not get moved. He might, but he may not get moved. But I'm going to tell you something. Mm-hmm. If I were a betting man yep. and I don't gamble, there's okay. no way those guys are gonna, not going to impeach this fellow. They have no choice because if they do that in the eyes of the American people. Remember, keep in mind, the guy only won by 177000 votes. That ain't a lot. If they put that show on in front of the American people, they're done. Everybody, Mitch McConnell all the way down. They, they've got to go and do what's just the country uh, forget the partisan ship stuff. They've got to protect the institution. Mm-hmm. Okay, we've got to Brad because that's exactly what's at risk right here, right now. But this is going to be an indictment on the Republican Party, not Donald Trump. And thank you, uh, thank you,
0: Brad. No, thank you, Morrison. I think that's great because I know a lot of people are out there in the in the corporate mainstream media. They're saying, "Oh, well, this well obviously he's never going to get the votes to remove him in the U.S. Senate," and that could end up being true. Mm-hmm. But once, you know, people see the story, once they understand what's going on, once they're able to call in guys like John Bolton and have him testify directly in this trial in the U.S. Senate, opinions may change, Morris. Uh, so you may uh, end up being right. Thanks, Mo. I appreciate that call. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. And by the way, over on the uh, Twitters where you can tweet me as well, I am the Bradblog, blog Cofeve Le Pew. Tweets in to say, I wanted to remind you that beside uh, Collins being the first to endorse Donald Trump. Remember, he was uh, indicted in uh, uh, Collins last year of New York and and pled guilty, Congressman Collins. Um, To
1: insider trading from information that he learned while he was a congressman.
0: Right. uh, Cofeve Le Pew points out that uh, Duncan Hunter... I believe, was the second one to endorse Donald Trump. So there you go. They're all being indicted. Birds of a feather. So Morris is right. This is an indictment. Everything here is an indictment of this Republican Party and this coming from someone who's not all that crazy about the Democrats. Anyway, so I started to say that it only took the New York Times, uh, you know, a a month or so to cover what we have been trying to raise attention to over this past month since the catastrophes on Election Day on November 5 in the off year elections last month, Uh, particularly in Georgia and Pennsylvania, where both states were piloting new 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting systems, not unlike the ones that we here in Los Angeles will be using for the first time in Los Angeles County in uh, 2020 on Super Tuesday. So if you missed our coverage over the past month of this for some reason, suffice to say it was a disaster for voters for voters in both states in Georgia and Pennsylvania even though in both cases they were, you know, sparsely attended off-year municipal elections. I mean, they didn't even have any big governor's races or anything going on. And yet, despite that, with these new computer systems, brand new, uh, the failures on those systems led to uh, long lines, hour-long waits in a number of places in both of those key battleground states for next year's presidential election, which will not be sparsely attended. So as The New York Times' uh, Nick Corsante uh, reported over the holiday weekend— where it was likely very little noticed, but I did. Uh, He reports it was a few minutes after the polls closed here in Easton, Pennsylvania on Election Day when panic began to spread through the county election offices. Vote totals in a Northampton County judges race showed one candidate, Abe Cassis, a Democrat, had just 164 votes out of... 55,000 ballots cast across more than 100 precincts some machines reported zero votes for him which is unlikely given that this is a county where they have the ability to vote for a straight party ticket. So, one candidate's uh, zero votes was a near statistical impossibility because certainly someone walked into each of those 100 precincts and voted straight Democratic Party ticket, in which case, Abe Cassis should have had at least that one vote. But he didn't. Something had gone terribly wrong. Uh, it, it, uh, yes, I have been warning uh, as much uh, for years. And I love New York Times says uh, something had gone quite wrong. Well, yes. Uh, very often in the run up to the November 5 election, uh, as Pennsylvania was selecting this very new 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting system to replace its old 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting system, I had been warning about the concerns, the concerns that uh, became a reality on November 5. Back to the Times here. With clearly faulty results in at least the judge's election, officials began counting the paper backup ballots that were generated by the same computer touchscreen machines. The paper ballots showed Cassis winning narrowly. By about a thousand points, he received he received not one hundred and sixty four votes, but rather twenty six thousand one hundred and forty two votes, at least according to the paper. Uh, But of course, nobody actually knows if even one of those so-called paper backup ballots, as The Times described them, uh, was actually verified by any voter as reflecting his or her intent. That is the nature of computer marked ballots. Again, this is the same type of system that we will be forced to vote in, to vote with, to use at least at the polling places here in Los Angeles County for the first time in our history, beginning in 2020 at the March 3rd Super Tuesday primary. Here in LA County, the nation's most populous voting jurisdiction, uh, back to the Times. Matthew Muncy, the chair of the Northampton County Democrats in Pennsylvania, who, along with Lee Snover, the chair of the Northampton County Republicans, uh, was among the observers as county officials worked through the night to try to feed the paper ballots by hand through these scanning machines. People were questioning and even I questioned, said Muncie, that if some of the numbers are wrong, how do we know that there aren't mistakes with anything else? Good question. And the answer, of course, is we don't. Northampton, Pennsylvania, just like Philadelphia, just like the entire battleground state of Georgia, just like the entire county of Los Angeles and many other counties around the country, will all be voting on these same type of 100 percent unverifiable systems next year, just like this. And there will be no way to, quote, Muncie, no way to know that there aren't mistakes with anything else the snafu in northampton county i love media always margin It's snafu des it's just just a snafu it's a a glitch
1: or it's the voters fault
0: it's a hiccup it's a glitch it's a snag and a snafu these are failures and no they are not the voters fault Anyway, the snafu in Northampton County did not just expose flaws in both the election machine testing and procurement processes. It also highlighted the fears, frustrations and mistrust over election security that many voters are feeling ahead of the 2020 presidential contest. Given how faith in American elections has never been more fragile, says The New York Times. By the way, we don't need faith in elections we don't need faith. We don't need trust. We need public oversight. We don't run faith-based elections in this country, or at least we shouldn't. On these machines, unfortunately, we do, and we will. Uh, in any event, uh, the problem—the uh, problematic machines uh, were also used in Philadelphia and its surrounding suburbs, areas of uh, Pennsylvania that could prove decisive next year and one of the most critical presidential swing states in the country where Donald Trump is said but never confirmed to have won the state uh, for the first time in decades back in uh, 2016 by just over one half of one percentage point, about 40,000 votes out of 6 million cast in Pennsylvania. And now they're moving to these new machines where the Democratic candidate got zero votes just a few weeks ago. But of course, it was never confirmed in Pennsylvania that Donald Trump actually won the state because it cannot be confirmed because it was run on the state's old unverifiable touchscreens, which are now being replaced with the new ones. And no, the Department of Homeland Security, despite their claims about Russia's attempt to manipulate the 2016 elections, DHS never bothered to examine any of those voting machines in Pennsylvania for evidence of manipulation. Here's uh, once again, uh, in case you don't believe me, the uh, DHS's top election cybersecurity official, Jeanette Manfra, conceding to Oregon Senator Ron Wyden during a U.S. Senate hearing back in 2017 that no, nobody ever looked at the machines. Has the department conducted any kind of post-election for insects on the voting machines that were used in 2016?
1: We have not, our department has not conducted forensics on specific voting machines.
0: Yeah, didn't bother. Why bother? Just, you know, two votes registered for Hillary Clinton instead of Donald Trump in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan, and she, not he, would be the president. But why bother to look? Let's just warn people. Let's just scare people that Russia is going to attack our elections but not bother to look if they already did. And if it wasn't Russia, maybe it was someone else. Maybe it was someone in the state of Wisconsin or the state of Pennsylvania or the state of Michigan. Back to the Times here. In an era where some candidates and incumbents try to challenge or discredit a close loss by questioning the system, either with unfounded allegations of voter fraud or claims of a rigged election, the proper functioning and security of election machines have never been more crucial. Oh, do you think? New York Times... The Times notes, despite, uh, you know, failing to warn about these very systems that are now proliferating the nation before 2020, we warned about what would go wrong in Pennsylvania before it went wrong in Pennsylvania. Not a month later, the uh, county GOP chair uh, there... um, said uh, Lise Nover, said uh, there are concerns for 2020, questioning whether the paper ballots generated by the same computer machine that had a digital error could be trusted. She is right, of course, to wonder. She's right to question that. The only thing that could change that equation is a system that uses hand marked paper ballots so that we can know that they reflect the intent of the voter, period. Uh, so, Election Day there it was uh, marred by complaints of long lines, glitch-prone uh, glitch, pr- glitch prone systems, touchscreen systems, as the New York Times calls them, frustrated poll workers. Uh, there has been no—and then they go on to point—there has been no conclusive study as to what caused the machines to malfunction on November 5 of this year. The prevailing theory— is that the touchscreens were plagued by a bug in the software. Okay, nice theory. A senior intelligence official, I bet it's Jeanette Manfra, uh, who who focuses on election security, said that there were no visible signs of outside meddling by any foreign actors. Why would there be visible signs of, of, of meddling inside the machine by a foreign actor? Uh, But in any event, if there was no study, how would they know? And how about the meddling from domestic actors? Any sign of that? Or did they not bother to look there either because they just don't do that sort of thing? County officials who led the purchase of these new machines have argued that the system actually functioned as it should. Because the paper ballot backup process worked. The touchscreens failed, but the backups had the correct vote. So they say while it was inconvenient, it proved the necessity of a a paper backup. But how do any of them, much less the New York Times, know that the backup paper ballots had the correct votes? Nobody knows. Nobody knows that. The New York Times just reports what the election officials told them there. And then, adding insult to injury, they reported on what the private voting machine company, ES&S, the nation's largest, who made these crappy machines that always fail in election after election, they reported what they the same BS claim from them. The uh, spokesman for election systems and software, Katina Granger, said uh, voter verified paper ballots provided fair, accurate, and legal election results. The election was legal and fair. Well... Katina has no idea whether these ballots were actually voter verified at all. Voters in these uh, states said that they had no, that they weren't able to read the, the little fonts that come out on this paper behind the glass that they're not, never able to touch. Studies show that the majority of people do not check these machines, they're, they're, they're computer printouts. And when they do check their computer printouts, the majority of them do not notice that the uh, computer has flipped the results or has, you know, left something off. So anyway, if the voting machine company that was paid tens of millions of dollars for their failing machine says that the election was legal and fair based on zero evidence of that, how could anybody complain about it? Thankfully, some election integrity folks in Pennsylvania are doing just that. They did complain, pointing out that major decisions for testing, purchasing, operating these machines are often led to, left to uh, county and city officials. Federal testing standards for election uh, machines have not been updated since 2005. Kevin Skoglin of the National Election Defense Coalition has been on this show several times, told The New York Times that not only is that uh, standard uh, a decade old, uh, but it's more than a decade old. He says it's a decade before the current cybersecurity threats to our elections, and it is two years before the first iPhone even came out. Yes, that's the federal standards for voting machines across the country, which, by the way, California does not even bother with. They don't even have to meet the federal standards anymore, thanks to Secretary of State Alex Padilla, who abandoned the need for California systems to meet federal standards. The machines that broke in Northampton County are called the ExpressVote XL. They're made by ES&S. It failed to count votes on November 5 for an unknown reason. And yet it is among their newest and most high-end machines. And ES is in virtually every state in the country. Uh, these machines that they used for the first time in November in Pennsylvania began arriving in the county in August. They went through a federal and state certification process. Deb Hunter, a member of the County Election Commission there in Northampton, said they were actually lucky that the county judge election went so poorly because that made the problem obvious. What would have happened? She asked, if there was a glitch. That got at ten uh, percent or twenty percent of an undercount. She said that worries me. That worries me going forward. Um, the uh, uh, the ESNS spokesperson, by the way, noted that there are nearly sixty three hundred Express Vote XL voting machines used across the country. As for Northampton County, some on the city council now have a new goal. They say they want new, simpler paper ballot. Machines ahead of the presidential election, and they want some of their money back.
1: Oh, I bet they do. I mean, this brings up a lot of different things for all of the states that are adopting these computer marked ballot marking devices. I mean, not just in Los Angeles, where we are expecting a huge turnout and the impacts of having a malfunctioning machine, even just one, will cause delays for the number of voters who are able to vote. If they have to take that machine out of service to go find out what the hell is wrong with it, how many people are not going to be able to vote at that voting center? I mean, and also, as as you frequently said, even if... If everything goes perfectly and yep. there's nothing wrong with anything, yep. we can't know that. Yeah,
0: we there's can't no know that after election. We just have to guess. It, you, it is you those faith prove after faith-based the election. elections. So, yeah.
1: yeah, that a voter and, actually ever verified uh, their ballot.
0: And I'll point out one other issue, Desi Doyan, about uh, these. You know, if if there's a problem with one of the machines on election day, there doesn't even have to be a problem. If people start reporting problems, if people start reporting that the computer has misprinted my vote. And mind you, this is coming from someone who had that happen to them some years ago. Yes, a computer here in Los Angeles misprinted uh, four out of 12 of my votes during a uh, primary back in 2008, the statewide primary. But in any event, if people just start reporting that the computer misprinted my vote— We will have complete and utter chaos in this uh, county because there is no way to prove whether that person is lying or telling the truth. If someone wants to monkey wrench elections across Los Angeles, which is larger than about 40 states, all they have to do is start reporting that the uh, computer is misprinting my vote and we will have a disaster on Super Tuesday, March three. Now, of course, I, uh, you know, hope that the uh, county uh, clerk, uh, re- county registrar and county clerk, uh, Dean Logan, is listening to this show. He won't, he will no longer appear on this show. Um, You know, it's, and I've had a lot, I have a lot of questions for him that he has just stopped answering. But do you have questions? Do you want to talk about any of this? Uh, you know, the systems that are coming here to Los Angeles uh, I will try to answer them since the L.A. County Registrar and County Clerk, Dean Logan, will no longer appear to, on the show to discuss it for some reason. So feel free to call me right now, 818-985-5735. I will give you my best answer. 818-985-5735. And yes, it is a good time to sign up for vote by mail prior to the March 3 primary here in Los Angeles County. So you can get a handmarked paper ballot. But yes, please deliver it in person on Election Day. Not only, by the way, will uh, Dean Logan not show up on this show anymore, he won't even answer basic questions that I sent him via email about this system. You know, Philadelphia is spending $30 million on their new system, their crap system that did not work on November 5. L.A. County is spending $300 million on this system. Among the basic questions that Dean Logan simply refuses to answer, um... He won't even, and this is one we know the answer to, but he won't, I guess, commit to it in writing, at least not to me. Will optical scanners tally from these uh, QR codes, these barcodes, rather than the human readable selections that are printed out on these paper ballots with these touchscreens here in L.A.? He won't even answer that question. The answer, yes, they will be using the QR code, not the human readable portion that you might have been able to sort of verify they're not even going to bother counting that. They're going to count the barcode instead. Why, I asked him, would he not accept Harry Hursty, one of the, a legendary computer security guy? He's the one who runs the DEFCON voting village every year in Las Vegas that has hacked year after year, has hacked voting machines. Um, Harry Hursty agreed to come out and perform penetration tests on the new voting systems here in .LA. Dean Logan has not accepted that, uh, that offer. He won't explain why. I asked him if he's performed any independent penetration tests of the new systems. If so, where is the documentation of it? He is not sharing that. Uh, I asked the simple question, will voters be allowed to vote by hand-marked paper ballot if they prefer at these new voting centers, uh, or is a vote-by-mail ballot the only option for that? Well, I think we now know it's the only option. Will there be paper backup, uh, paper uh, backup paper poll books available, or will we only be using electronic poll books? If not, I asked Dean Logan, what is your plan if the electronic poll books don't work due to failure from power outages, for example, or programming uh, errors as happened in Georgia on November 5? So people could not vote because the electronic poll books would not work. Or if there's an Internet outage or another failure like that. Uh, How will voters be able to vote at a voting center if the Internet service is out and they can't look up their names uh, to find out if they voted elsewhere already? These are all simple questions. I think it's a shame that the county clerk of Los Angeles won't come on this uh, program to answer these uh, troubling questions, especially with all of the ransomware attacks that I'm not going to have time to cover because I want to get to some of these calls, but uh, all the ransomware attacks that have been going down, uh, going down across the country, including, yes, in Louisiana, just the day after their recent statewide gubernatorial election in Louisiana that crippled, amongst uh, other statewide agencies, the Louisiana Secretary of State's office. People could not look up their... Um, The results after the election, had it happened on Election Day, since Louisiana uses, yes, 100 percent unverifiable touchscreens across the entire state. Had that happened on Election Day, what then? How would people have voted? What will happen on Election Day in 2020 if that happens? 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Let's go to Alfredo in Long Beach. Hey, Alfredo, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Thank you. First time
2: I used to listen to you quite a bit when I uh, was driving back and forth. I appreciate it. But my question is I heard your comment about Alex Padilla, and I must have been asleep when that.
3: Stunt was pulled off. Is there
0: anything that be done about it? Is there anything that could be done about it? Uh, probably not. Uh, he did this just before he became Secretary of State. He did it when he was a state senator. Uh, the bill was called SB 360, as I recall. Uh, it did away with uh, fe- the, the need for federal testing of our voting machines. It granted the power, essentially, to the Secretary of State to decide uh, pretty much on their own what systems uh, can be certified for use and not certified for use? And then, lo and behold, Alex Padilla yep. became the Secretary of State.
2: Uh, that that is such a such a
3: grab for our democracy that it uh, continues to just make me sick. Uh, Good. I'm, I'm so <laughs> so happy your show is on and. Uh, And uh, I just keep contributing to KPFK.
0: Thank you, brother. Greatly appreciated, Alfredo. Thanks for that call. 818-985-5735. 818-985-KPFK. We'll get back to your uh, calls in one moment. Let me take a quick break here, and we will come back with Tim and Reza and whoever else we can get to on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman.
1: I'm a rebel just for kicks now I've
0: been feeling it since 1966 Might mm-hmm. have had your fifth Felix Thick Yeah, I was born in 1966 But I'm not a rebel just for kicks Welcome back to the Bradcast Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com 818-985-5735 is our phone number uh yeah, you uh, uh heard my reference very quickly to it. Uh you will not go to your old friendly uh neighborhood polling places anymore in 2020 here in LA County. We will be going from 5,000 community polling places to about 1,000 voting centers. And you'll be able to choose whichever one you want to go to, I think like 11 days uh before uh, election day if you want to. Um if you don't want to, well, you got no choice, I guess, other than to go vote by mail. Let's go to Tim in Pasadena, who has a question about that. Hey, Tim, welcome to the broadcast, sir.
3: Thank you, Brad.
0: Yep. I just
3: had. A, um, I went to one of the mock elections that they have here in Pasadena. Mm-hmm. It turned out that I wasn't even on the, the, the register for voting, even though I've lived in the same location for 12 years and have voted every uh, election.
0: And they looked you up in the, the poll books, the electronic poll yeah. books, and you were not listed there, Tim? I was not
3: listed. I was not listed, so uh, I had to, re, I had to re, um, you know, reapply re-register. for my party and all yeah. that. But it's a very complicated system as well. If you haven't yep. been to a mock election, you might want to go to one. But anyway, my question is, where do you drop off your mail-in ballot? Um, so I'm going to switch over to mail-in mm-hmm. instead of having to go into one of these centers because um, – they don't even have the locations for the new uh, centers right. set up yet, so well, I don't even know where to go.
0: You you will be able to drop them off at any of those voting centers, I am told. Uh, also, uh, I am told there may be uh, other uh, drop-off uh, centers, boxes like at libraries and, and other uh, municipal uh, buildings. Uh, it is unclear, but I do know for sure that if you can figure out where a voting center is— you are allowed to bring your vote-by-mail ballot there and drop it off on Election Day.
3: It's a super complicated system as well. Yep. You, uh, most of them, I think, you require a smartphone, which mm. most people don't have, to get a ballot. Or,
0: um, I don't think it, it requires a smartphone. It. My understanding of the system no. is that you can fill out your ballot at home on your smartphone and then come and scan your iPhone into the new right. voting machine, the barcode there, Ooh. which will create a new barcode, which will either be correct or not. Yeah. No one will ever
3: know, well, Tim. they that option B was you can take a picture of it, uh, your ballot, and bring it in. Mm-hmm. Option C was, guess what, provisional ballot.
0: Yep. And by the way, if you are forced to vote on a provisional ballot uh, for any reason, uh, of course, fight like hell for a normal ballot, but do not walk away and not vote. Do not walk away and say, oh, it's a provisional ballot ballot. I'm not those are not counted. The majority of provisional ballots are, in fact counted. I think the rate here in LA County Dean Logan had uh, told me back when he used to speak to me it was something like eighty or ninety percent. Um, so they do get counted,, uh, most of them. but uh, yeah, don't don't walk away. Fight like hell. Uh, and like I say, right now, Make sure you're registered, get in yeah, there, and sure, get a vote-by-mail okay. ballot, and then bring it in on Election yes, Day, make Tim. Make sure you're registered. Yep. Yeah, make sure yeah. you're registered. Yeah, your Thank story, you, uh, that story really bothers me, Tim, that you were not found in the right. system. Uh, hey, I'm fighting, man. Keep up the good fight. Through. Thank you, brother. Yeah, bro. We need you. <laughs> All right, bye. What happened? To, oh, we lost a Oh, okay. Well, we'll go to Michael in Culver City. Hey, Michael, welcome to the broadcast, sir.
4: Oh, hi, Brad. I'm just wondering, you know, I've been hearing about these issues uh, mm-hmm. for many, many years, and, uh, you know, there's all kinds of little uh, mini-groups uh, agitating about this, but why isn't there any viable organization that embraces a uh, broad uh, spectrum of people, including uh, including paranoid Republicans, <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, that actually, you know, raises some consciousness about this outside of the KPFK uh, Bubble. Mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, you know, makes a big public issue of it.
0: Well, there should so be, be and sure. there are there, there are some of those groups, uh, some of those nonpartisan groups, these uh, independent watchdogs uh, when it comes to voting systems. But sadly, shamefully, a lot of them have become compromised of late, including, for example, a group that we, you know, used to rely a great deal on called verifiedvoting.org. Well, one of their board members just resigned uh, over the past weekend I hope to bring him on air, uh, hopefully, for a show this week. He's the guy who invented the uh, post-election risk-limiting audit. It's a protocol. I'll get into it another time. But he uh, resigned from the board because verified voting is out there in Pennsylvania and Georgia supporting these post-election audits of these computer-printed ballots, which, as the inventor of the protocol, he says... They are untrustworthy. You can't do an audit. There, it is impossible to know whether those yeah. votes reflect the yeah. actual results. So, yeah, uh, yeah a lot of these—I'm sorry to say—a lot of these once great organizations are less great now, Michael.
4: Well, but, I mean, do you take this I matter? Mean, have you taken this matter to common cause or any other like? Uh broader you know, nonpartisan partisan groups of the League of Women Voters and tried to educate them? I mean...
0: League of Women Voters and Common, Common Cause are both supporting these computer uh, these uh, touchscreen uh, uh, ballot marking devices as well.
4: But have they been educated? Have, have people tried to educate them?
0: Oh yes. Oh yes we have. Many of us have. Well, yes.
4: what do you think is yeah. the real deal here? I mean I know that you know, uh, Diebold at one time had a relationship. He mm-hmm. couldn't you know, was a contributor to the Mm-hmm. uh registrar in uh I don't know was it Riverside or San Bernardino Well
0: let me uh and and I'm only cutting you short here Michael because I'm coming up at the top of the hour but I will okay. say this for example well, no uh, let me answer real quick to yeah, you there corruption. uh well in Philadelphia there was definitely corruption the ESNS uh, vendors were found to have whined and danged the election officials to the tune of about $435,000 they were uh ESNS was fined about a million dollars I think it was the largest lobbying fine that was ESNS just before they bought their brand new ExpressVote XL system, which failed. Uh, has um, taken
4: any contributions from any of these companies? Sorry? Has Alex Padilla taken any contributions from any of these companies?
0: I don't know. I haven't looked it up, but it would not surprise me. But I don't know. I can't say one way or another. And I think a lot of these election officials, they just want it to be easy. They think, oh, computers are easy. That way we don't have to have a whole bunch of paper and actually count them, despite the fact that computer security experts say that is the best and only secure way uh, to run an election. Michael, I appreciate your call muchly. Thank you, sir. Sorry to cut you off here. Uh, Thanks for ringing in. Thanks for giving a damn. Thanks to all of you for uh, giving a damn. (sighs) and I'll just keep yelling and screaming, I guess, until action is taken.
1: And I'll just keep reminding folks to check your registration frequently and tell your friends and family as well to check their registration and to help out a new voter near you who may be totally unfamiliar with this entire crazy process that we have these days.
0: Well said. Thank you very much to our producer, Desi Doyen, to our board operator today, D'Angelo Jones, to all of our callers and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Drop me email if you like i'm bradcast at bradblog.com on the facebook's and the twitters i am the brad blog and my thanks as ever to those of you who help keep us going by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate particularly those of you who keep us in mind for your end of year giving bradblog.com slash donate that is it until we meet again tomorrow i'm brad friedman good luck world